Hello, welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts, the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. And this week we are joined by a friend of the show, but also someone who hasn't come on for like quite a long time, which is why we've, 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 we've brought him back. Uh, we are joined by our friend, Tom Victor. Tom is a writer, he's a football writer. You might've seen a lot of his work in, um, in the mirror um, and in other places as well. Uh, he also wrote a bu- book called What Would Jurgen Klopp Do? Um, yeah, uh, Tom, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, it's going all right. Um, I've just, well, just been to a, uh, a film premiere last night, which I'll be telling you a little more about later on. And yeah, yeah. So this, this was like a very well-timed episode. Um, and it wasn't like, this wasn't intentional, but, uh, it is great that like the timing sort of coincided because we, we decided that we're going to talk about a character today. Uh, Phoebe, you've been wanting to do, do this episode for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is about uh, one of the recurring 10K Post characters who we've always made time for whenever he's whenever he said something or done something. Uh, we are going to be talking about Michael Owen. Um, you may have listened to, uh, you may have heard like various Michael Owen facts. And if you're like someone who doesn't live in the UK, doesn't have any sort of back, background context of this, you may have been wondering like, why is this show, why does this ghost show give so much time to this like one seemingly mundane guy? <laughs> Um, and we'll get on to that in a second. Um, the episode that you may remember Michael Owen from is when we talked about the Porcel post, um, where he saw um, where, where he saw this like very strange purple light in his um, in his uh, I guess I guess in his back garden or in the woods somewhere. And when he saw this word purple light, which I kind of assumed, so this this was an image of like some trees that had been uh, uh, they had been knocked down. Uh, presumably by the wind. And there's like this just this purple light in the distance. And Michael Owen says, looks like I won't be going anywhere for a while then. Um, and also in this image is a woman who I think is either his daughter or his wife, but it could not, it might not be. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> running towards this light. Um, this was, yeah, this is such a great image. All of which is to say, check out that episode. I don't remember what episode that was. Uh, if we can find it, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, let's. we're going to do a character study today on Michael Owen. To kick us off, um, and to also do the primer for people who don't know who this character is, Tom, as the resident football writer here, uh, <laughs> can you please ex- like a dummies one mm-hmm. like what is what is the Michael Owen one hundred and one? What do we need to know? Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to sound strange to people who only know him from the Portal Post, but Michael Owen <laughs> is a generational talent, one of the one of the best footballers <laughs> that England has ever produced. Literally, um, one of the one of the. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah. I cannot stress enough that he is one of our greatest ever sportsmen. It's like one of the only English mm. players to ever win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, he scored one of the best England World Cup goals that has probably ever been scored when he was, I think, 19 years old, something yeah, like that. Was, yeah, was, he, yeah, this was his first. This was his, so for his first appearance for England, which was in France 98, yeah, the, which was the World Cup where we got uh, knocked out by Argentina shortly after. Uh, David Beckham getting himself um, sent off for really such a ridiculous, <laughs> such a ridiculous petty reason. He tried to kick someone and didn't quite make contact. So there's just this. So he's just kind of flailing, flailing his leg in the air. But before that happened, uh, Michael Owen scored a goal. Was it? It was from. It was from like the halfway line kind or of something. Ran it was from halfway. Was, ran past um, Roberto Ayala, who again is you know Champions League finalist. Fantastic centre back, just made him look very ordinary, and then just you know almost without thinking, just drill it top corner, and yeah. If you have any any remote interest in in football, then it is worth looking up looking up this goal on YouTube because it's it really it really is fantastic, and his astonishing ability. He was the sort of great white hope of English football when he was sort of eighteen, nineteen, sort of along with Wayne Rooney, and well, Wayne Rooney was a couple of years later, but it, they. Sort of similar, similar trajectory. He, he's our, yeah. There's a bit of an overlap. He's a he's our he's our greatest ever striker, basically. <laughs> and so, if you put that alongside his personality, <laughs> then quite an interesting picture starts to emerge. If he was a more mediocre footballer, then I feel like his his posting would be less interesting. And if he was a really really good fo- footballer with with not particularly interesting posts then I think that would be less interesting. But I think the, his particular confluence of characteristics 
is what makes him such a kind of fascinating Erasmus-like figure. Yeah, I think I think that's very fair. Um, also, the fact that you know he's kind of gone from you know when when he started posting, he was I think still playing. I think he was still uh, still at Stoke at the end of his career. He's kind of gone from that to become a commentator, a pundit as well, kind of without mm. changing his style of posting along the way all that much, which is another kind of interesting kind of facet to it. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like, to, to explain him in posting terms and how, how, <laughs> how would you sort of like go about that? Cause I, yeah. I think like, you know, I, I don't really keep tabs on him. Like the only kind of, I, I tend to get most of the stuff through Phoebe posting in the group being like another Michael Owen thing has happened and we need to put this in the show. Yeah. Um, that's how I keep on tabs with him. But as I was sort of looking for some of the old stuff, there were lots of like, you know, your sort of your BuzzFeed articles, which are like, you know, here are 20 like weird posts (laughs) that Michael Owen has done. And I've sort of realized that like, oh no, he's kind of got this, you know, reputation for not like not doing bad posts or like not sort of doing anything problematic, but just strangely kind of mundane things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I, I, like you having sort of seen and remembered them, like, how would you sort of describe him as a poster? Because I, I think one of the yeah. interesting things, as you sort of pointed out, does seem to be that like this wasn't a thing that he was doing when he sort of retired from football, almost as a sort of like, what do you kind of do next, like pre-pundit thing? Like he's kind of posting while he's playing, but sort of at the end of his career. And is that is that like significant in any way? Yeah. So I think sort of around 2011, 2012 sort of time was, you know, a lot of football clubs didn't have Twitter accounts at that point, but a lot of players did kind of I wouldn't say gotten ahead of the curve, but just, you know, <laughs> liked liked to post, you know, you know, mm. that's the um the pool of posting that, you know, we're all we're all drawn by. Um and around sort of 2011, 2012 sort of time, you had Wayne Rooney started posting, you had um a lot of Premier League players getting into trouble with their teams. I remember there was um a guy called Darren Bent, who successful Premier League striker, won a few England caps, and essentially publicly aired out his club for refusing to sell him to the club that he wanted to join. Just all on Twitter, all in real time. And, you know, around that period, the main audience on Twitter is probably journalists and not really anywhere else. So, you know, it's feeding instant stories. And since then, you've got, you know, you've got some who I'm sure will get onto people like Joey Barton, Ricky Lambert, Matt Letizia later on, who still don't have that filter, who still very clearly run their own accounts and are responsible for what comes out there. Then you have mm. the Roonies, you have current successful players who have teams to take care of that. And what's so interesting about Owen is he is someone of that caliber of, of playing and someone with that profile, but someone who still clearly has his own password, still hasn't had that taken away from him. Um, and I think that's what does set him apart. Mm. Also, mm. stylistically, he is set apart because Michael Owen posts like, a sort of a like I said, it's a confluence of characteristics. So sometimes he posts like a like a mum on Facebook, and sometimes, mm. um, and sometimes he posts like he's on Live Journal, and sometimes he posts like he is a very, very, very boring man on Hinge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this, these are the kind of the three twin, well, the, the 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 three the three kind of aspects of his of his soul and psyche, because he because he posts because he loves posting, but he doesn't have anything interesting to say to the point that what he says is 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 quite in, is quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he has su- he has like he has such a kind of he has such a specific voice, which mm. is like. Which, considering what he says is quite often very, very banal, is sort of quite interesting. Because, like, you take your Matt Letitiers, like he could just be a kind of uh, like a like a wing nut posting on a posting on a local Facebook Facebook group. There's nothing to distinguish him. Whereas you see an you see a Michael Owen post, absolutely like stripped of the username, you'd still know you'd know it was Owen. Mm-hmm. You 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 know the difference between like. An Owen and like from the studio of Owen. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in which case, shall we like, shall we go through, shall we go through some like a Michael Owen post? And like, I do want to say, yeah, I do want to say that like when I sent you guys a document, um, the first thing you said was like, we, we're missing quite a lot. 
Um, and I think that's like, this is sort of like a good, a good way of doing it. I thought what good way of doing it might be to, um, for each of us to sort of like talk about some of our favorite Michael Owen posts. Um, I wanted to bring one up cause like this, I haven't done them chronologically. I don't know whether the chronology of this actually like does matter in this instance, because I feel like they have <clears throat> one of the most, one of the interesting things about it is that it does feel somewhat kind of, his style seems to be fairly consistent, like throughout like his posting career. But one of my favorite Michael Owen things that has always sort of come up is um, the fact that he's only ever seen, I, or like <laughs> he said, like the, the five films thing, right? Like he yeah. only watched five films. Um, and uh, in, in response to an interview about this, he goes, it's very boring, but I don't watch films. I think I've seen about five in my life. I just can't get into them. Um, now, this was presumably done before 2014 because in 2014, he, he posted on Twitter, um, watched my eighth ever film on the flight home, must have been poured, hashtag hate films. Um, yeah. Then he follows this up. Cause I, I think in that, that initial thing is just like, okay, you're playing, you know, you're sort of playing into this bit now. Like, you know, this is a little bit hack, but the follow-up is what makes this a truly exceptional Michael Owen, um, uh, Michael Owen post, because he says, these are the films that I have been forced to watch. And he writes a list of them and he goes, Rocky, as in the first Rocky, Heat, Ghost, Jurassic Park, Cool, cool Runnings, Sea Biscuit, Karate Kid, and Forrest Gump. Yeah, I really want to know if he watched all of those on release or whether it was, you know, <laughs> a couple of back-to-backs and that as well. Yeah, but it's also just like, I mean, just like from a very, from an observational view. So his his argument initially is that films are just too long, right? But in this mm. list, he's got like, I, I think these, these the films that he's listed have sort of demanded like very, you know, they, they, they demand like different for like, you know, levels of attention, right? I feel like with stuff like Karate Kid and Rocky and you know things like that, it's a fairly straightforward. Like these are very boilerplate. These are what sports people tend to like in yeah. terms of watching films. So it's very amusing that he's just kind of bored and frustrated with this. But I feel like the addition of heat in this list is a real. <laughs> that's the real curveball. Yeah, that's what jumped out like, to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other ones really. Sorry, what I found interesting. Sorry, sea biscuit isn't the curveball to you. No, he's a, big, he's a big racehorse guy. Yeah, I know, but that's why yeah. it's interesting that it's in the list of films that he's been forced to watch. Yeah, I think that was... Because he really does love those horses. Speaking. I feel like <laughs> he chose to watch Seabiscuit and he's just trying to save face there. Okay. Um, but with Heat, um, yeah, it definitely set, sets apart from the others in the sense that yeah. it's a guy whose entire career has been playing a sport that games require 90 minutes of attention. The other films yeah. are all, I think, pretty close to 90-minute films which couldn't capture yeah. his attention. Whereas Heat <laughs> is, um, yeah, I mean, Heat is something that, okay, if you're not a film guy, then I get why you would struggle with that. Um, so, yeah, it did. I, I don't know who, who convinced him to watch it, more to the point. This is what I was, this is what I was interested in. Who forced him to watch this? Like, I guess it's Shearer before they fell out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they this, fell I out. Think that's the story. I think that is mm. the... That is the story behind the falling out with Shira, because we've never had a straight answer out of either of them. Why mm. have they not talked in a decade? We know why. Yeah, what Shira was made, the- Shira sat him <laughs> down and what, made him watch eat. What was the Sea Biscuit incident? That's what we need to know. Um, should we go on to another Michael Owen post? Like Tom, do you have do you have like you sent me quite a lot? Like what are your like what are your favorites? Um, or what are the yeah, things I'm, that you really point which, out? Um which I sent you. Um I mean yeah, I mean the films thing is obviously the first thing you go to with him. Um, I, I'm a big fan of um, just a very simple going to bed. Can't take the pain any longer. Um, just, just a post stripped of all context. Um, I, I think it exists stripped of context even now. Um, I've chosen not to check check whether that's the case. Um, and yeah, just, just a simple. You know, is it about his injuries? Is it about something more psychological? We don't know. And just. To, to post that, uh, have we got a timestamp on that? Just just mid June in 2014. So maybe yeah. that is an England. Maybe that's England getting knocked out of the World Cup. Actually, I think it, I think no, no I think it. I think it was. Yeah, but um, again, because a really really important spoke of of Michael Owen's posting psyche is that he is a teenager on Live Journal. Mm-hmm. It really could be. It could be about anything. So this is something with which I think ties into the films as well, the, the teenager and night journal thing. This is so sort of eight, in the eighties, nineties, the kind of elite young footballers who 
people thought might play for England, went to Liddersall, which is kind of school of excellence for the best teenagers. It's essentially a boarding school. Um, and he talks about this in, in his documentary, which, um, which I just happened coincidentally to be shown last night. But he goes back to his old dorm room where he kind of mm. shared with a couple of the other super talented young footballers, I think 15, 16 years old, away from your family. That's probably where he watched these films. It's probably associated with a time where he missed his parents. And this is a way to kill time around the boarding school environment. I think that also pretty feeds into the live journal style of things. That is, yeah. that is where that voice is coming from for him. Do, um, mm. do we know who he, who he shared with, who, who was in his um, dorm? So there's an there's an aspect to the film where he's talking about the other the other lads from his year group. I don't know if I don't think they were his roommates, but Wes Brown was there around the same time. John Harley from Chelsea was there around the same time. There were a couple of others who I think just were lower league footballers in the end as well. Yeah, sort of quite sad. But yeah, the plot thickens. Yeah, it really it really does. Sorry, I just had this sort of kind of vision of him of like again. This is why this is this is why he's never forgiven Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> Because Beckham fucking loves Forrest Gump. I feel like Beckham's <laughs> more of a Karate Kid guy. Do you reckon? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> Phoebe, do you have any... Work, yeah, yeah I'm just trying to work out how old he would have been when Forrest Gump came out. I suppose like... Oh, he'd have been like... 13, like in his, 14, teen, in his teens, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because he was born in the late 70s. I think he's 79, yeah. So yeah. I, think he was, yeah. I think he was 18 during that 98 World Cup. I completely... I'm with him. On the, by the way, films just are bullshit. Don't rate those eight films or just films in general. Films are bullshit. Get rid of them. <laughs> Get, there's no need for them. There's genuinely no need for them. That's my position. <laughs> Not a popular position, I know, I know, but this is one of the reasons that I'm so, um, that I feel such an affinity with Michael Owen because of our <laughs> <laughs> anti film mm. position. Like, name a good film. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, Phoebe, do you have, do you have any, do you have any, um, of the, of the list or like any that you remember off the list, like as, uh, ones that I think, yeah. Like what, what are the ones to you that sort of speak to like Michael Owen as a poster? Mm, okay. Yeah. So this is really, so this is really important. First of all, I think it's very, very important to note that we have absolutely no proof that what, about what happened after he saw the portal in the road. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know whether what is posting afterwards as Michael Owen is Michael Owen or whether it, it's an obscene doppelganger sent back by the portal. There is, no, there is no proof. We don't know what happened. He saw this purple light in the road. We don't know what happened next. Who, mm. we, who we're talking about might not be Michael Owen at all. And it's very unfortunate because under normal circumstances, say someone has a kind of unusual feature on, on like one side of their face, like a kind of mole or a freckle. He doesn't have one of those. He's a very mm. kind of smooth, Kendall looking kind of guy. So he doesn't have any kind of distinguishing asymmetry on his, on his facial features that would mean that we would be able to tell that what was returned by the portal was not Michael Owen. So... The question is, since the portal, has he become a more distilled, concentrated version of himself? Is that what got sent back by the portal? Or is he somebody who is such a, who is such a unique set of characteristics that he is the only one who is unchanged by the portal? Thoughts? Hmm. When was the portal? Was that 2020 sort of time? 2021. Yeah. Uh, no, it is, mm. it is hard to tell. Um, you're gonna have to come back to me on that one because um, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't think his personality changed, but I'm not convinced he really went through because his whole thing was more just like he saw it and he was just like, yeah, this is, not even a sort of I'm scared of this, but it's like, yep, yeah, this isn't this, this just isn't for me. I think it's like the most Michael Owen response to seeing something like that to being like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, like <laughs> this 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 is like it's not not even a sort of like this is an inconvenience to me. It's just like, huh, just yep, yeah, this isn't for me. Annoyed see, this by this. No, see, this is the thing. No, 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 no. There are because there are there are footballers who who have a very kind of nah, not for me vibe. You've got your you've got your Jordan Hendersons, you've got your James Milners, both of whom are much more boring than Michael Owen. I'm here to defend Michael Owen on the boring <laughs> accusations because both of them are boring and they don't even do good posts. They don't even tell stories about throwing an apple in a bin. <laughs> 
Now, I think the, the difference between Michael Owen and, you know, your Henderson, Jim Milner's, he's not boring. He just, he has the things that he likes and he can't entertain the other things. Yeah, he is our neurodivergent thing. being resources. Yep. Um, not films. Not films. Not tea or coffee. And mm. just, you know, someone who seems like a big fan of the concept of football, but hard to tell how much he likes the kind of <laughs> the nuts and bolts of it. He likes, he loves playing football. He loves playing it. I don't think he's interested in it, though. I think he could take or leave it. <laughs> that's what genuinely, that's what I think. I think if he could just spend the rest of his life thinking about racehorses. Mm. Uh, Dev, could we have a short clip of Michael Owen telling the story about the about throwing the apple in the bin? Because <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to describe. This is yeah. what I mean about him being an, being a kind of unusual character. He he's destined to not be understood in his own time. I think this is why I said he's a kind of Erasmus like figure. If like if. The archaeologists of the future, if there are if there are such a thing, are kind of looking back over over the kind of the the, the archive of of material to try to to try to kind of piece together uh, not just contemporary culture but contemporary sporting culture, and they come across the work of Michael Owen. You would very very quickly form the idea that he that he has a a kind of preternatural charismatic hold over the people that he's talking about because. You wouldn't understand the stuff that he says in, say, like 2,000 years. You're not going to understand what Michael Owen has to say for himself. But his continued, um, his continued presence in the cultural landscape points to, a ki- points to a kind of futuristic charisma that we, are not, that we are not in a position to recognize because it's sort of the next stage of human evolution. Do you get me? Yeah, are you following me? Are you following me? On so, yeah. <laughs> are you are you with me here? Um, so my favorite my favorite Michael Owen tweet, apart from apart from the film one, um, there's a great one about Christmas as well, which I which, <laughs> which I'll let you which I'll let one of you two get to. Uh, but this is my favorite one. He's a uh, back in a uh, back in October 2013. He was he was watching he was watching Strictly Come Dancing and was yet again impelled to, to to share his thoughts to to, to have to, to have to, to have an observation have an observation in public and this was his observation this strictly come dancing show is a joke <laughs> also it cannot be stressed enough by by 2013 strictly come dancing was probably one of the bbc's biggest shows it had been going on for almost a decade by that point People know what it is. You don't have to say this Strictly Come Dancing show in order to distinguish it from other potential <laughs> Strictly Come Dancings. You don't need to distinguish it. It's not necessary. People know what it is. You could just call it, you could, honestly, you could just call it Strictly by 2013 and people would know what you were talking about. Mm. This Strictly Come Dancing show is a joke. Far too much touchy-feely stuff from married men stroke women. I, I appreciate that. He's an ally. Instant divorce material in my eyes. Three exclamation marks. Mm. Three not, exclamation marks. I don't so think Mike he's Owen yeah. potentially doesn't know what dancing is. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Was he in like what has haven't there been some divorces as a result of like <clears throat> people like leaving their partners for their dance oh, yeah. partners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loads. It's called the, so, it's called it's called the curse of strictly. Eyes, oh, right? Okay, I didn't. But again, as someone, as someone who has, did was not in, did not. Oh, how do I describe this? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't really watch Strictly, so this is all new to me. But yeah, when he was saying that, I was just like, you know, but he, he was, he was right. He was right about that. Well, this is interesting because I'm just, I'm just looking this up because I don't want to, I don't want to uh, make any uh, any assertions which are which are not true. I'm pretty sure that nothing of that kind had happened in in, in 2013. I think this is a later, yeah. oh. I think this is a later phenomenon. So mm. again, Michael Owen, futuristic charisma. Mm. Maybe that's I think, what the, I think um, he'd be quite a good cult leader. Maybe that's what the portal was. Maybe that was um, <laughs> yeah, as he went, went back in time for it. <laughs> You go, yeah. You go like his 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 own visions of the his own visions of the future. Although that being said, I mean, again, this is also projection because as you as you, as you like reminded me 
another thing that I didn't add on to the notes for this one that I completely forgot about mm. were his sects. So mm. if he's like, yeah, if if he know, if there's like a guy who does know about things that are potential divorce material, yeah, you know, he's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not dancing. You know what? Do you know, know something that's actually quite interesting. Do you know who the? Do you know who? As far as I can tell from a, a quick little, quick little search, the first couple that is meant to have kicked off the curse of strictly divorce trend, not because of uh, dumping the other for their partner, but just because of breaking up in the in the aftermath of the appearance on Strictly Come Dancing is uh, Louise Redknapp. Oh, okay. Jamie Redknapp know, yeah. is, is meant, are meant to have been the first victims of, of like, the curse of Strictly. I feel like Jamie and Michael Owen were at Liverpool at the same time, right? Yeah, they would have been. Yeah. So they, they, that, they've worked that's together weird. In the <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's something. And so this was three years before, though, because Louise Redknapp was in the 2016 cohort. This is... If... If somebody has discovered the secret, not to just to time travel, but to, but to true clairvoyance, and the only person on the planet who truly has it is Michael Owen, mm. that to me is really, really solid support for my, for my general thesis of Michael Owen. <laughs> <laughs> he's a kind of, yeah, he's, he's a kind of enlightened, he's sort of enlightened figure. He's basically a mystic. I'm going to keep saying stuff like this until one of you <laughs> disagrees with me. No, I'm not calling you out on this. I think you're right. Good, good. I'm now I mean, worried yeah. about whether or not they were at Liverpool at the same time. I'm pretty sure they were. I think at the very least, Owen was in the academy when Jamie was playing for the team. There's, like, there's, there's cert- there certainly would have been like some overlap, surely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm, well, I was, I was just like sort of going through, I was, I, I, I was just reminded of, I was just reminded of the sex and there was, there was, uh, there, there was like one where, uh, yeah. So the, of the, of the sex, just, just because, uh, just, just because we're sort of on that, I do want to remind people of, uh, the fact that as he was receiving nudes, uh, he did his response to those nudes were tremendous by the way. Um, and then, uh, well, you went straight back in there with a pick of your tits. So there's no point taking a step back now. Hmm. Not bad. Great tits. <laughs> Is that, that how <sighs> every time I, every, I feel like we have covered this on the show before I had the same reaction before partly, which was like, is this how you're supposed to respond to a nude? But also just being like, but I feel like him saying anything other than that would be weirder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's consistent with with his voice. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's like it's, it is like he's 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 consistent. He is consistent in all of this. Um, another one where he is asked by, uh, he, yeah, he's asked by uh, the woman who he's uh, he's asked for nudes from. Uh, what intrigues? What intrigued him about her? And Owen replies, and this is very poetic, actually. Your past, your present, your posts without your tits out. True poster, yeah. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, should we go? Should we talk about the Christmas post? Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, the Christmas post. So <laughs> this is actually so. This was like an example of where I feel like the sort of intrigue in this is that it is sort of in the fact that the subject matter is mundane, but the way he writes about it kind of implies a darkness. And Michael Owen says, Christmas is underrated. The best day of the year by far. Hashtag family. Um, is Christmas underrated? I mean, he, he's a pundit. Everything's underrated or overrated. <laughs> mm, it's a good point. It's a good point. And on, <clears throat> and on new year's on, on, uh, and uh, just, just to follow up on new year's uh, Eve, or like just the day before New Year's Eve. Another thing about Michael Owen's horny posts, and he's done like quite a few of these, but the one that I had forgotten about until I like read through the list, bearing in mind this is this is four days after he does the Chris, Christmas is underrated post. Just as a sidebar, all these posts that he's done, like the, a lot of the ones that we talk about all happen in 2014. So something happened in 2014 because he was really just like firing it off. I think that's um, when he retired. I think I think that's when he didn't have football. That was when he was developing his like post football voice. But there are two. This is this is this is like an example of a Fred before Freds were a thing. So on the first image, uh, he posts, "I wonder if Mrs. Owen will be so kind tonight." And the picture, <clears throat> the picture is one of his dogs, um, pictured beneath the nutsack of another one of his dogs. Um, 
Yep. <laughs> which opens up a lot of questions about what he actually wants of his wife. And but but here's 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 where it gets funnier because the following post after that shows uh Mrs. Owen uh hiding her face and showing him two fingers and Michael Owen's captions are saying, Oh well, it was worth asking with three <laughs> exclamation marks. So he he took he took the first picture of the dog of the dogs in the nutsack at 807, um, gets this response at 819. Um so I yeah, those those like the, the ten minutes in between that, uh I would have I would have liked to hear that conversation. <laughs> Yeah, 2014 uh, yeah. was a weird was a weird year for him. That was oh, when he I'm did still, the yeah. That was when he did the film post. So yeah, go on. I'm still getting my head around the fact that those were four days apart. Uh, I, I, I had not associated the uh, hashtag family with that week in time. <laughs> um, also, it was very interesting to me that the, um, the the revelation that Christmas was underrated was. Uh, 8.51 p.m. Um, that, that's how much of the day needs to be going well for him to make that decision to commit it to, to print. Um, mm. So, yeah, no, just, just the... Uh, was it on Christmas four, Day? Four it was on Christmas Day, 8.51 p.m. Mm. Uh, do you want to hear it? Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Uh, um, on, on in October 2014, which was like a couple of months before... Uh, <clears throat> go, as, as, sorry, say that again. Uh, a couple of months before he does the dog post, uh, he uh, so the, so the backstory. If you would like to hear about, if you would like to hear about the dog post, is that they got those, they adopted both of those dogs two months before he did the nuts app picture. Uh-huh. Um, and when he wasn't taking pictures of their nuts, uh, the dogs were biting him. Uh, so <laughs> he he was posting pictures of the wounds that he was getting from dog bites during that time. Uh, he also the, the month before in September, he was also in a big like taking pictures of him with his horses. Uh, so yeah, he was like taking pictures of himself, like pretending to feed carrots to his horses. There's one where he goes, uh, where he takes a picture next to a horse and he says a selfie with Brown Panther only four sleeps to go. Hashtag monster. Who's the monster? I assume the monster's his horse. <clears throat> who is the, who is the, Scientist race creator. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Brown Panther is a interesting name for a horse. Um, are you aware of what Joey Barton's horse is named as well? No. 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 What's um, his horse's name? So I really hope I'm getting this right. I believe he co-owns a horse with the former Chelsea striker Claudio Pizarro. I'm not sure how they met, mm. uh, but they co-own a racehorse called Crying Lightning, which of oh. course they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. How did that's... they? How did they come to own a racehorse together? I, yeah, like, I, how did they even get introduced? But yeah. Um, do you think anyone would be interested in, in a sitcom so, about this? I mean, if it stops Joey Barton from posting, then yeah, I, I, I would fully support that. Joey Barton's horse working <laughs> title. That's its working title. That's not. <laughs> it's, that's not the final title. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we get on to like some of the bigger things, like one of the, some of, some of some of the other, in terms of the question about what happened when, what happened like after Michael Owen saw that portal, like mm-hmm. the big thing, the big thing that sort of really emerged out of that. And I think the reason why we covered him in that other episode was because we were talking about it in the context of celebrity NFTs. Um, and yeah, the post yes. that he wrote when he was launching his NFT, he goes, my Twitter space is about to go live to discuss my NFT project. Despite the critics, my NFTs will be the first ever that for the first ever that can't lose their initial value. Um, <laughs> he was forced to delete that tweet, like basically because he posted disinformation, but like also disinformation that kind of went against the very light touch regulation of NFTs at the time. Um, and then we, and then we didn't hear about the NFT project ever again, but it was around about the time, but like, so the reason why I thought this was interesting was because like this gives the post plus the NFT thing, give a bit of an insight into like the Michael Owen career trajectory after he left professional football. Mm. Um, and like, I feel like even though there is the posting angle and there is the sort of like, what has Michael Owen done is like a, as you know, a pundit and someone who is still very much like, I imagine like quite beloved in like English football and just like English kind of celebrity culture. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wondered whether you thought there was like a relationship between like between the two things. Um, and I guess I could start like as a way to get into that. I wondered whether you had any thoughts as to like why, like what the Michael Owen NFT project was about, why he sort of went that way. And like, were there any other footballers that were doing the same thing? 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was. Didn't John Terry the same have time. NFT? Yeah. So yeah. John Terry, I think William at the oh, same he did. time. Yeah, yeah. Were part of um, a few a few of that generation Chelsea players launched mm. something together, which I think I read something recently where it's <laughs> lost. Uh, I mean, it's lost pretty much all its value. Um, there, there was a period where, yeah, I think John Terry. Um, and a few of his um, sort of former teammates, they had apes who were essentially caricatures of themselves. Mm. And um, it was pointed out to John Terry that, um, you know, doing a, a caricature of, of a black teammate as an ape was probably not the smartest uh, approach. And I think he just ignored that. Um, mm. And yeah, um, I mean, there were a lot, a lot of um, a lot of the clubs themselves were doing things along those lines at the time. Um, I think some are still, um, you, you know, you've got something like Socios. Where you know fan, fans can buy tokens to influence well, so so called club decisions, but you know low level decisions like you know you can pick a song to be played during halftime or something like that, and that was you know a, a way for various various clubs just you know just get a bit more money out of their fans for things that weren't match tickets and weren't kits and mm. so on and so forth. I'm sure there were more players who did the uh, the NFT thing where whether whether that was through like board ape equivalents or whether that was something else. But um, no idea what I can't, remember, I, can't remember, I can't remember there was something specific about the John Terry one, which was funny, but I can't remember what I can't remember exactly <laughs> exactly what it was. Um, it's true, I think I think quite I think quite a lot of players sort of got on the kind of the NFT bandwagon. But Michael Owen's the only one who announced publicly that his NFT was the only NFT which was guaranteed not to lose any money, yeah. which then had to be publicly corrected by his money manager, I think potentially in a kind of follow-up <laughs> follow <-up laughs> post saying something along the lines of, yeah, no, okay, yeah, obviously the, my, we're very excited about this, but also this is, this, this is not true. <laughs> this, is ab yeah. this, is ab this is absolutely I think that was just him. Not misinterpreting yeah. something he was told yeah i think yeah i think i i I, th I think so i think so i still want to think i still want to talk a bit about the fact that the horse is called brown panther yeah what is a what is a brown panther there's no brown panther like, that's, is that like a regular panther that's been out in the sun mm. but he I, presumably he's also named this horse before the black panther movies come have come out right so does this imply that he's like he was into the comics or like that, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, he said, I don't want to be a dickhead, but there are like other historical associations with the term Black Panther. I do, but, but I, I, outside I do, the Marvel yeah, Comics universe. I do know that. However, I am bearing in mind, that, well, look, bearing in mind, bearing in mind that this is Michael Owen, and therefore I am assuming that it's not like you know. This must come from some sort of, you know, easily accessible pop cultural reference. And it can't come from films, obviously, because Michael Owen. Right. Yeah. So, um, like, unless, yeah. so, like, yeah, unless he has, unless, I don't, I where, where do you, where do you think it comes? Like, where do you think he got the name from? I feel like he's probably just more, more of a wildlife guy than we appreciate. And okay, so you think he's, he's actually named? Of, yeah, I think he's, he's named after the animal itself rather than. Okay. Uh, rather than any kind of cultural Black Panther reference. Yeah, that's what I think. I think that I think that he just likes the idea of of panthers, mm. but because he's quite because he's quite literal and quite a yeah. stickler for the kind of a real. He's a real say what you see, mm. say what you see guy. And that, I think you can see that like in if he like if you look all along all along his writing. So like his or not just his writing, his like his. Anytime he's in public and is obliged to say anything, there is a there is a kind of there is an interesting literalism that runs through everything. So he likes <laughs> panthers, and he's like, okay, so I want my mm. horse to be like a panther because you know panthers are fast and panthers are ruthless and panthers are and panthers are sleek and elegant. <sighs> the horse is brown though. The horse is brown. The, the horse is brown. So we can't call it panther because the horse is brown. And then someone just said, how about brown panther? Yes. That's it. That's the <laughs> right. Okay. That's that's the, that's the solution. Although Brown Panther, R.I.P. Yeah. So this was the one where he wrote a really sort of heartfelt post, wasn't it, about yeah. losing his best friend? And yeah. it is. He he got a bit, you know, a bit of a backlash from some people going, you know, um, just kind of making a mockery of the fact that he had this attachment to a horse. Whereas no, this is this is as sincere and heartfelt as 
pretty much any athlete is going to be around uh, something outside their game. Yeah. He he really like he really likes horses. He's a big horse guy. Well, I mean, he's a big. This is what I mean about him being a face like a Facebook mom. You know, there's a particular sort of woman on Facebook who puts who said this, and this still exists. I didn't think this still existed mm-hmm. until until sort of quite recently when I had cause to look at Facebook. But there is still very much a sort of person who puts what they are have done with their day on a Facebook status, which is very interesting. This is fast. This is fascinating posting to me, and it's literally stuff like put a, put a load of washing on. Um, <laughs> took the took the kid took the kids to soft play. Uh, now about to sit down with a cup of tea, and I I honestly think that this kind of deep chronicling of the of the ordinary average life is as important as any other writing. <laughs> and I know that's that like I know that sounds like I am taking the piss. I'm genuinely not taking the piss. I would honestly rather read a book made up of these statuses and of mm. Michael Owen saying what he thinks about like quite uncontroversial things. And this is what's so interesting about him is that most of the time he is incredibly conventional in his thinking. So for example, just he likes Christmas. He's not keen on the idea of his missus, uh, of his missus doing the Argentine tango or the rumba. <laughs> uh, and then every so often he'll just go wildly off piece. And I can't remember where he said this. I think it might be in his in his autobiography, which has a very funny title that, that escapes me for a second. Um, there are two autobiographies, I think. So, so, so yeah. So there's there was there was a there was an autobiography in t- in two thousand and four. I can't remember what that's called. I have since been able to discover what the more recent one is called, and it's called Reboot My Life. Sounds like a very a, like self help book type of thing. It does there's sound a, very Facebook as well. It does, yeah. There is a colon. There's a colon there between the reboot and the my life. Ah, okay. I see what so it's done there. Reboot My Life, but you could also read it as Reboot My Life, which is a little bit more live journalish and a little bit more <laughs> more Facebook mum ish and a little bit more uh i've pm'd you hun there's a little bit of a i've pm'd you hun and uh, and there was some apparently controversial uh revelations in this book most of them are, i think are even if you are very 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 interested in football the, these revelations like they are not interesting revelations but one of them is that he just says more or less like most of most of it is about how uh, his career at Stoke was just like was just not not the right place for him and it was sort of quite a kind it was sort of quite a kind of sad and and not like it wasn't like an amazing end to his mm-hmm. to his career really at, really at Stoke it wasn't a kind of it wasn't a kind of uh sort of glorious glorious fireworks exit he it was much more of a sort of trail off situation that's the thing uh, with um sorry carry on but in in this in this book, he says apparently, more or less, kind of unprovoked and out of context. He uh, he writes the words: Newcastle is not a big club, and their fans are deluded, <laughs> which is such an incredible vault farce. From you know what, Christmas, it's all right. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the whole bit about I just remember this from when it from when it came out. There's a, I think it was like maybe like 2018, 2019. Uh, <laughs> there was um, just a bit about how like maybe they think they're a big club because they've got a big stadium, which is so bitchy. That's like that's <laughs> such an incredibly bitchy thing to say, and it is such a kind of important part of the Michael Owen psyche that he is just. That he is a bitch as well as everything else. Um, what I was going to say in the Stoke thing and the uh, not having the grand finale. Um, he is normally the sort of player who now, with these days, end up in Middle East or would end up in the US. Yeah, mm. yeah for sure. But he had one year at Real Madrid in his twenties and very clearly decided, no, not for me. I'm going to end my career in England. And the offer on the table was Stoke. And oh, that's where he went. It's, it's almost it's, it's a kind of sadness to it, and you know, it's just somebody could have been could have gone out on his own terms, but mm. kind of limited what he was able to do. And I mean, so a lot of former 
players, they will, they will have one fan base who absolutely adores them, even if others don't. So, you know, Sol Campbell is hated by Spurs, but loved by Arsenal. Owen right. just doesn't have that with any of his clubs. Um, yeah. He should have it with Liverpool. Yeah. But then he went to Man United and just undid all the goodwill for, what, two, three years of yeah. having presumably quite a nice life there. But yeah. But it's so interesting because there's no, there's no, there's no bitterness mm-hmm. to Owen. Like he, whenever you see him, whenever you see him being obliged to discuss football, which he sort of doesn't want to do because he actually doesn't care. Uh, but he, <laughs> but he looks kind of, he looks kind of faintly, kind of gently shell shocked, like like a kind of like a nice farm animal that has been given a sedative so that they can do some kind of light surgery on it. Just kind of, mm-hmm. just sort of. Blank face, gentle, and like, if, like, so you, so you can compare him with like some other pundits. Compare him with I don't know, like like Gary Neville, who looks okay. so furious <laughs> all the time. He's so angry to have his very pleasant, very well paid job. And Michael Owen isn't. It's not that he's like in a state of kind of deep gratitude all the time. It's not quite that. It's more that he has achieved samsara, I think. Mm. Potentially. I say, I'm not sure he had done back in um, December 2011. No. Um, where he replies um, replies to a post. Let's see if the originals, I imagine the originals been deleted. The one he's replying to. Um, yeah, the original's unavailable, but his reply stands. Mm. <laughs> Hilarious when your picture has a big roll of fat hanging over your shorts. Had a, <laughs> a successful life, have you? Peasant. <laughs> December 2011. That was when he was still at Man United, I believe. So I don't know if that did something to his uh, to his posting in a way that Stoke also did in a different way. But yeah, <laughs> it's the only time I've seen him kind of let the mask slip almost. It doesn't feel like yeah. it. But mm. did he let the mask slip, or is he somebody who I don't mean achieve samsara? By the way, I mean something else. <laughs> but uh, just in case anyone was planning on correcting <laughs> on that, uh, I'd actually forgot. I actually can't remember what the what the what the good one is because samsara is suffering. I think uh, the the good the good one, the enlightenment <laughs> one. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's the mask slipping. I think it's that he has one. He has permitted himself one. Furious Gary Neville star response in his <laughs> life, <laughs> and this is when he's this is when he's chosen to use it because you've got a, you've got to admit that the the, the peasant mm-hmm. um, explosion at the end there that's that's sort of that's sort of quite a kind of lyrical thing of beauty. That's not somebody. That's not someone who just like gets into like gets into scraps online. That's somebody <laughs> who has been who has been waiting to use their their devastating put down. Yeah, no, I think that. For, I think potentially fair, yeah. since potentially since he got his first computer. I was going to say maybe it's you know tried tried films not for him tried not being him. a bastard yep. online not for him not for him tried it once tried it once yep. doesn't need to try it again. Uh, he isn't interested in in reading as far as we as far as we can tell. He's not a big music head either. Uh, mm-hmm. Although he uh, once posted that he had been listening to the Beatles for an hour before training, and then he oh, hashtag yeah, that. He's a big um, legend. You know, he probably thinks they're underrated. I imagine that's really the the vibe. Imagine, <laughs> potentially, guy, he might. Guy. He might well think that the Beatles are underrated. And uh, yeah, I just I, I want to know what do you think he thinks about on a kind of average average um, day? I mean, do you think he has any average... anxiety at all? Because I don't think he does. Mm. Um, no, I mean it's it's, it's horses again. Um, mm. It's his family. Um, so the um, I, I won't go too much into this, but the, the documentary he's making, um, his son is partially sighted, and it's about them spending time around the England partially sighted football team, and oh. that is something where yeah, you can see kind of a general genuine connection. Um, mm. You know, he's he's a big fan of uh, hashtag family, so. Yeah. yeah, I think that is you know nothing outside his little bubble is is what mm. he thinks about. And yeah, and I think and I think that's the impression that I sort of got like looking at his posts and just like everything I sort of know about him. He just sort of seems to be a guy who's like sort of accepted his lot in life and like is fairly mm. content with that. 
and like that lot of life being quite good in the sense of like you know his career and you know his sort of like stature in in um in football and the fact that he's still sort of able to continue doing that thing is probably something i imagine he's quite grateful for like one of the questions i was going to ask you tom was like mm. bearing in mind that we've sort of seen <clears throat> like we, we, you know, we, we talked about like Rio Ferdinand a little bit like, uh, recently, but also in our show about we are eight. Um, but I think like his trajectory is, seems to be, um, it's, it, it, it seems to be like much calmer than like other footballers, like looking for different mm-hmm. avenues to kind of like express themselves post career. Like I know, I know like a lot of them are like, you know, like pundits and like commentators and stuff like that. But I do wonder why, you know, if we look at like, you know, Gary Neville, Gary Lineker, yeah. um, so on. Like my, he, Michael Owen, sort of feels different. He feels like he feels like sort of removed from that desire to kind of have. I, I don't know if career ambition is the right word. He just again, I keep going back to like it. Just sort of seems like he's sort of content. He's sort of content with his lot in life, and he's also fine with life kind of happening to him. Um, yeah. I wondered whether, like, I do wonder what would happen if someone did just ask him like straight up, like, what is, like, do you mm-hmm. have any sort of like political or social opinions? Because I, it doesn't strike me as he's someone who's like restrained, like refraining from saying them for the sake of career longevity or whatever. Right. Or like, you know, that yeah, he's no, sort of purposely feels withdrawing. Like feels like this is a very genuine, just like, you know, just no one is up bothered to ask him the question that could sort of lead him in down a very different <laughs> direction. I mean, it feels like. Politics is something that's never occurred to him, so I'm not sure they'd get the answer they wanted. Um, but no, Gary Neville is an interesting one to bring up. Um, one thing that where Michael Owen differs from a lot of the guys that have gone into punditry is he never really had a go at coaching, he never tried to become a manager after he retired. Um, he got into punditry eventually. He's, you know, he's working with TNT, did BT Sport, I think he's done some BBC around tournaments, but he never had... You know, he never kind of tried and failed in coaching. Uh, Gary Neville had a short time as a, you know, relatively successful as an assistant coach, very unsuccessful as a head coach of Valencia. Someone like mm-hmm. Graham Souness, who had a, quite a few years as a manager and then that work was no longer there. Now he's purely a pundit economist. Um, so, I, yeah, I think Lineker is probably the closest analogue to Owen in the sense that he kind of moved into the, the second phase because he was asked to and ended up having an audience for it. It wasn't desperation to kind of stay within football after he realized like I'm not playing anymore. Mm. I think he'd be, I think Owen would be very happy to just be outside of football, looking after his animals, yeah. looking after his family and that'd be his That's life. My family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I, I, that's, that does sort of feel like the end game. The end game is very much like looking after your hashtag family. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely forgot that he had, I completely forgot about his daughter as well. Like remember when Gemma Owen was like quite a big oh, deal. Yeah. Was she on Love like, Island or something like she that? Was on, like, cause, yeah, because she was on yeah. Love Island. Um, and I remember, like, I think he was asked about that and he also had like some fairly sort of very straight down the line answers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of which... I, I can't I can't even remember what he said, but there was something um yeah, there was something weird that he said about his daughter being on the show. Yeah, that, that's uh, something that I'd completely forgotten about. No, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Um no but yeah, that was it was it was just something that like, came to my mind just just as mm-hmm. you were speaking. Um I'm conscious about I'm just conscious about time. Uh and like I know that we have to sort of wrap up soon. Uh, but like one, my last question I sort of wanted to ask, um, bearing in mind that like this has sort of really been more of a character study. Uh, yeah. But one of the things that I was sort of thinking about was like, you know, the pressures that new footballers like face mm. and whether, and again, like I mean, it's not to sort of say that like Michael Owen doesn't face any of his own pressures. I can't talk about his own life, but it does feel that like for a lot of younger footballers um, who uh, are sort of like at the heights of their careers, like there's, there, there is like a pressure on them to have a kind of online digital presence and like mm-hmm. almost this, and to a, to a degree that it like, ha- it has to be sort of curated to a very particular degree. And I wonder whether like some of the sort of endearing qualities that we see in people like Michael Owen, the ability to kind of just like really embrace the mundane and kind of, you know, that, you know, that sort of a, the appeal of him coming from being able to make those observations. I didn't, know if that's going to be able to be replicated in future. I wonder mm-hmm. whether like other younger, like uh, n- not to sort of say, I, I, my, I guess to put it simply, like I don't think we're going to ever see like a poster like Michael Owen, partly mm-hmm. because the younger generations 
don't really have the ability to not to be as sort of like mundane and sort of you know just casually observational as he is. Mm-hmm. And I wondered um, what your thought, yeah. yeah, I wondered what your thoughts were on that, or whether there are like any footballers that you're sort of noticing online who could who you're looking at and you're being like, yep, he's going to give us an opinion about uh, Christmas and what his wife will or will not do any moment within the next five days after. Um, yeah, I, I think we, we're kind of touching on on Wayne Rooney a little earlier on. And it, there's a feeling that, um, so a few years ago, Phoebe Bridges changed her Instagram handle from fake nudes to just at Phoebe Bridges. Mm. And that for me is like the parallel with Wayne Rooney ceasing to be Wazaroon08 and becoming <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Um, the, the point at which, okay, we can't be certain that that is the person behind every single post. We can't be certain how many different voices are going into it. And really, I'm not sure we ever got those kind of observations from we I mean, it was it was there's definitely mundane elements, but I think it was it was more just kind of a lack of a filter and you know, he was mm. he was posting as if no one was reading it rather than uh, rather than giving it out to an audience. Um did, and did then, really originate the do you want picking up in the morning, pal? Yeah, yeah that was um yeah, Rio, I, that, do you want picking really up in the morning, pal? Yeah. Didn't didn't tag Rio. Um as far as I'm aware, it was meant, meant to be a text rather than a Twitter post. But yeah, um, that that was that's where that began. Um, he's also a big Beatles guy. Um, mm. uh, I can't remember the exact post. Big big Whitney Houston guy, obviously. Yeah, obviously um, a big Whitney Houston guy. Posted about her passing away. Um, and then you contrast with Cristiano Ronaldo, whose Twitter bio um, is just a link to the privacy policy on his website. That's it. Oh, Doesn't even him. say athlete. God, um, I, God, I hate him. I hate him so much. It's the collection and use of personal information. That's it. I think <laughs> just, nothing more just, than that. I just yeah. hate him so much. I just hate him so fucking much. Oh, yeah. That footage of him crying was, I think, one of the best things I saw the year before last. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, and 2016 as well. That was, that was quite enjoyable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of current or more recent players, um, I think goes back to what you were saying before it's, it's not players of that caliber it's it's lower league players there's a, mm. there's a few um I remember a few years ago I used to cover kind of major league soccer in the u.s and there were a few kind of guys gone through college that kind of system towards the u.s become like a kind of stalwart of a couple of hundred games in mls and we're posters we've got someone like um i think it's dimitri mitchell who is an ex-man united player now in the lower leagues who's garnered a bit of reputation for himself through social media but doing that at the same time as playing at an elite level, there's not really anyone. There's not, there's no, there are no elite posters amongst our kind of current elite sportsmen. They're all too, they're all too kind of PR'd and, yeah. and, and sort of social media trained and they've all grown up with it. So you take, so That's you take someone, issue, yeah, um, yeah, so they're like, they, 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 and they've got like, they've got teams doing it. Like the mm. thing, like, the thing about Rooney and his posting, like he's got a voice. I like admit that he's got like a very, very distinct voice, but he really only has two bangers, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd I say so. I think he's got more than two. So you, you've got the Rio one. got the Rio one, and you've got the Whitney Houston RIP. Have you not post. thought, I'll put you to sleep in two minutes, you little girl, at himself? Okay, fine. Three. I'll accept that. He's got, he's, got, he's got three bangers. And over a long posting career, that's really not... Mm. That's really not anything like com- like compared to the to the careful uh, to the careful observational building up of the of the posting archive that Michael does. I don't I, I don't think you can put him in the same category. To be honest with you, I think Rooney's Rooney's posting career for me stops when he becomes at Wayne Rooney. I think that's the issue there. Mm, so I don't yeah. think it is a kind of ten eleven years. I think it is three or four years worth. So it's a kind of, so it's a sort of short and kind of burning bright career as opposed to a, just a real workhorse career, but one which will be more valuable to future anthropologists. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. No, no, no. I'll allow that. I'll allow that. And then you've got obviously the other end of the scale, the ones like Joey Barton, like Matt Patricia, who they still post too much, you might say. Um, but you know they they are fairly indistinguishable from you know anyone on GB News. Yeah, mm. exa- yeah, exactly. It's like they like 
it's like they've got their kind of their talking their talking points and they just sort of and they just sort of trot them out like the idea of of Joey Barton sending a young woman a message saying I've looked at this picture of you in a see-through top 65 times <laughs> which is so precise <laughs> <laughs> do you think he was counting how many times he looked at it Yes, I'm going to say yeah, yes. Yeah, I think he. I think he's. I think he's got one of those. One of those little like traffic county clickers. <laughs> <laughs> he just every time he goes back as a click. And if you, because if you look at that, I like. I strongly recommend as a just even just as a kind of interesting kind of document. If you if you want to, if you're really really interested in the kind of the manuscript tradition of Michael Michael Owen, which I am. Uh, if you look at the 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 documenting of of the sects, they are very just what I mean about him being very literal in his expression. They're very very precise. So one of the so one of them is like I've got like yeah I've got a long journey I've got a long journey down to London and I'm um, and I'm bored and I need something and I need something to look at. And then he adds to the end, leave nothing to the imagination. Now the standard. For, for 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 the average nude is to leave nothing to the imagination. You don't actually <laughs> need to again, just like you don't actually need to distinguish stri- the Strictly Come Dancing show from uh, one of the other hundreds of things <laughs> that could be referred to when you say Strictly when you say Strictly Come Dancing. And she sends one back, and he says, "I thought you were going to send me twenty again." This is very, very precise. He has a mathematical interest. And I think what people don't understand is that there is like, there's, a, there's an exchange, there's a back and forth. There's, there's some stuff about like, oh, you know, you've sent your tits out. There's really nowhere to, there's really nowhere to go from here, which is true, which is true. This is a, <laughs> this is a good piece of feedback. The, those are tremendous, by the way, is a PS. And I am, I've never been able to find out this information. I would love to know how long he left it before he said oh shit no i've got to say something i've got to say something as well about mm-hmm. them <laughs> instead of just like firing some mathematical data at her i've also got to give a compliment what 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 compliments do women like tremendous that's a good that's a good neutral word because it is <laughs> a very very neutral word it's very it's a very funny word to use in a horny context <laughs> because mm. He's not saying that she looks sexy. He's not saying she looks beautiful. He's not saying she looks hot. He's not saying any of that. He's saying those are tremendous. He could be talking about about somebody's new spring tulips mm. or a horse. You could. I, I would. I would happily <laughs> imagine him saying that is a tremendous horse. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just trying to find if there were timestamps between them, and no, no, no such luck. No timestamps. Okay. Mm. Um, it will be like yeah one of the one of the remaining mysteries mm-hmm. one of the mysteries that we'll discover probably next year when you bring Tom when we bring Tom back <laughs> the same subject um, one of the Oenian mysteries as they're called yeah well look Tom thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for uh, like going through like doing this character study with us we really appreciate it um, if people want to follow your work and the stuff you're doing what's the best way they can do that um, you can follow me on Twitter or Blue Sky both at Tom Victor. Um, most of my stuff you'll be able to read at the mirror. Um, and that, that's most of it at the moment, really. Yeah. Um, you'll we'll be able to see yeah. what I've got to write about, um, about Michael Owen's documentary as well. You should go do that. Definitely go read the review of the documentary when it comes out. Um, and uh, if we can, uh, we'll put that link into show notes as well. If not, then we'll post it uh, on our on our socials. Um, thank you very much for listening to this free episode, Barrett. Remember that we have lots of bonus content on our Patreon. Five bucks a month helps us to do this show, helps us do it without ads and to stay editorially independent. Um, and it means that we can also, we don't have to like rely on uh, I was going to say something about like we we have to rely on resources, and I realized that that doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> regardless of what would happen in that situation, we would not rely on a racehorse. Doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm just going to end my sword, my portion here. Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs while I just die in embarrassment? <laughs> so yeah, so please do consider consider subscri- subscribing uh, to the to the Patreon. Um, 
we're going to buy Hussein a racehorse. That's going to be well. No, don't don't buy me a racehorse because so so bearing in mind my my uh, my my beloved uh, corner of South London, which I I'm still grieving. Um, one of my favorite things that I used to show people uh, was the uh, was the Greyhound Greyhound racing track. Um, I've never been inside the racing track, but there are lots of weird things that happen outside of it. Um, and so what I was going to say is maybe not a racehorse, but I can be more of like a greyhound kind of guy. Okay. All right. So Hussein's getting a greyhound. Um, so I love dogs so much. I feel like it's the best, uh, it's, it's the best, it's the best, uh, new hobby to take up. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Subscribe to my Substack. Fair warning. It is all about either Michael Owen or horses. But if you, fan- <laughs> if you fancy reading, if you fancy reading what I think about different horses' names, I don't know anything <laughs> about racing and I don't really know anything about horses beyond just every so often forming an attachment to a particular horse because I think it's got a funny name. <laughs> um, um, yeah, my, fav- my favorite was, uh, was, called, was just called Hoss, who sadly, di- who sadly died a few years ago. But there was a there's a really good picture of him, which says that it's it's a picture of him on his birthday. It's like how how do you know this? Did he say did he say so? Yeah, uh, and listen to my <laughs> yeah listen to my listen to my listen to my other shows. Please ignore the racehorse reverie that I just went into there. Uh, this show is produced by Devon. Follow them at Devon underscore on Earth if you haven't already done that. Listen to Kill James Bond if you don't already. Um, and yeah, until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.